Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of banter, Blummer. Oh, it's good stuff. Hey, bleachers are open, and you really want to get on to YouTube on our YouTube channel at Bleacher Blums because there's going to be a video of short hops. Our producer Mark Ramos does a phenomenal job of not only cutting our audio but cutting video. And the reason I bring that up on our YouTube channel is because you're going to notice my backdrop is a little bit different. I have got nothing on the wall except for one mediocre painting of palm <laughs> palm leaves and and a baseball. What is that? A batter's box uh, behind me. So we are. I am recording from a location that is well far away from my good friend and co-host David Tuttle here in the bleachers. I am in West Palm Beach, Florida, on site to call spring training. It has been two years since I've been able to do that, so I'm super stoked about it. But I'm also super stoked to be on here with my good buddy David Tuttle, who is out there on the left coast. When we were coordinating this Tuttle. We were sending texts back and forth. You said you're going to be a couple minutes late, which is no big deal. But my brain clicked and I went, oh, I'm an hour later. <laughs> so all of a sudden that, you know, that uh, scene from A Beautiful Mind where all of a sudden the numbers and everything are floating around my head. I'm like, oh, what does that mean? And I've luckily got the time right. right. It's good to have you on, buddy. How you been? Oh, great. Blummer, hey, you know, we're either 2,000 miles apart or 3,000 miles apart. It doesn't matter. This is my favorite time of the week, <laughs> getting together with you. And and like you said, the the modern technology or the whiz, the wizardry that is modern technology keeps us close. And uh, obviously talking baseball and family and all the other great stuff that we talk about on here. So welcome in from West Palm Beach. And like you just mentioned, it's been a while since you've been out there. Is it, I mean, it's probably the same hotel room you used to stay in, but I don't know. Is it, uh, does it feel new and exciting or is it kind of, you're, you're like a well-worn shoe you're back in? Uh, I am a well-worn shoe, but at the same time, you know, flying down here, you, you know, you're flying with the GP, you get here, it almost feels like a mini vacation until I turn around and I realize there's not five women following me, following me through the airport, which is usually <laughs> a common theme in the last two years. Cause I've every plane I've been on has been for a family trip. And here I am getting off the plane by myself. And, it, and all of a sudden it starts to kick in that it is a little bit more business. Uh, settled in, had dinner in person with Julia and uh, Todd Callis, our radio analyst, Steve Sparks. So that, it was, a, it was, it was, we were all talking at the same time for about two hours straight, which was awesome. Uh, catching up on just, not just family, but our ideas for the team and how the broadcast year is going to go with us traveling again and uh, sleep really well last night. And I wake up and I had to go to the field to get a COVID test to uh, clear me to get on, on site and call these games. And that's when it hit me because we had, you know, the, the testing facility is on, on the property of minor league camp with the nationals and the Astros. And as I'm pulling into the parking lot, there's a bazillion cars, you know, anything from, you know, a Nissan Sentra to Lamborghinis. You know, that's kind of the beauty of spring training is you get the high rollers and then you get the minor league guys. <laughs> so you just have this unique uh, separation in, in pay and car styles. And, and I start to see that. Um, I, I park and I get out of the car and what's the first thing I hear? And it was, it, it was, it was euphoric. I don't know what it was, nostalgic, whatever it was, but man, all of a sudden I hear this. I start to hear the crack of the bat and then I hear the pop of the glove and, you know, and you know this, Tuttle, you can probably speak to this because, you know, when they say 10 packs, that's usually 10 mounds in a bullpen and there's usually a bunch of guys throwing at the same time. So not, you don't just hear one pop of the glove. It's like pop, pop, 
stop. You know, it's almost, and that's when I kind of went, damn, it feels good to be back, man, because those are the sights and sounds of spring. And I'm going to let you talk about it a little bit because we are so far removed from being athletic and being on a diamond that those are really the sounds I think for me that, that give me hope. You know, that's what spring training for me was. It was always hope. I don't know. You know, I wish you could get out here and hear it too, but uh, give me an idea of, you know, with those sights and sounds and some of the smells and the excitement of spring that you remember. Yeah. So we, you know, we did that for years and years. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head. My favorite was I went to a few big league camps, but mainly uh, minor league side and guys on rehab or whatever. But I think the disparity you articulated well, the disparity in the parking lot is always a good start <laughs> of spring training. And, and you know, this is stereotypical, but you certainly have guys that have come into money, the new contract that show up in a Ferrari, and they've got a lot of gold chains and some yeah, leather shoes, and you just wonder, yeah. like, I just, like, the like is that what you want to wear into the clubhouse? I mean, I know it's a sign of success, but it's like, man, give me my sweatpants and my hat. And, of course, I was the minor league guy that showed up in a Ferrari. No, I'm kidding. But... <laughs> Anyway, but but what you said is that is the whether it be in live in person or TV and is the six pack, the eight pack, the ten pack of guys throwing being a former pitcher that probably makes me want to go back to those days more than anything. Not being in the bottom of the seventh inning with the bases loaded (laughs) and facing a guy was just that spring training standing on the mound, nice and tall, and just being able to dot you know your pitches and you're like, oh man, this is this is you know, and every once in a while you release one and shoom. It's right where you want, and you're like, Bam. like you said, the sound, the everything, the catcher catches it right. Those are the things that you're like, hey, this could be the year, you know? Like every year I showed up nine years in a row, like they, this could be the year I feel really good. And as you already are, you know, touched on, like hope springs eternal, and this is when the hot stove turns into, you know, optimism and hopefulness. And as you said already, being in West Palm, I mean, it kind of. Yeah, I mean, just you talking about it brings all those feelings back, and I think it's uh, it's certainly something to look forward to, especially after a couple of these COVID years. You already mentioned your COVID oh. test. I mentioned last podcast, I went to Vegas, and there was no masks, and I'm thinking hopefully soon as you travel, you'll probably not have to wear a mask and probably not have to get COVID tested, which, you know, maybe COVID tests are a way of life from now on, but I think we're slowly but surely kind of coming out of that uh that haze. You know, the other thing I'm curious about with TK and uh, and Sparks there um, at your uh, at your dinner is: were you guys betting on who's going to lower their handicap or their index the most? Or that's the because I got to think that's part of the conversation. You know, like are we going to are we going to be allowed to bring our golf clubs on this trip? You know, we just flew with the GP out here, so dude, dude, you nailed it. <laughs> that that was the question. It's like all of a sudden when the excitement kind of settled down and and Julie we you know Julie is in the conversation. We all three kind of looked at each other and we're like, "Man, do you think they'll be able to get you know get our clubs on the road?" Because Sparky traveled last year and he said that they didn't have their clubs on the road. And I was like, "No," because you know I want I can't wait to open up that little black book that you know Sparky <laughs> and I have accrued over the years of places that we can play on the road. Oh yeah, and. You know, you've got friends that want to play with you on the road. You've got all these special spots and all the excitement of that. But yeah, that was definitely one of the questions. And especially after the the way I played last time, I was talking all kinds of trash. I'm like, bro, we need to get uh-huh. out there and get our clubs. And uh, some of these days off built in there are always uh, in, enticing you know, with uh, the ability to go play some golf. But yeah, that that will definitely be an update. I think we should do something throughout the course of the year. I mean, you, tr- you travel quite a bit and have traveled quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But I having not been... Have I been in another big league city? 
I'm trying to think. I don't think I've been in another big league city since the pandemic hit. So there's going to be some some newness. I don't know if that's yeah. a word. Yeah. Some newness to the, you know, are, are some of these cities the same? What's changed? And maybe that'll be a little update in this podcast is some of there the cities go. that we're going to and how, how they're handling, not just the COVID, but handling, uh, you know, the city around town because you you had I mean every city we went to in the minor leagues we always had like a specific diner a specific uh, restaurant sandwich shop bar whatever it was that you would always go to and the same things for us in the big leagues is you know where where can I go is that place even still going to be there Ooh that's what we should do I mean we me living um, through osmosis via you but uh, two things one is the brackets are no important in spring training we missed the college bracket but maybe you and TK and Sparky should put in um, like money in a pot to see who can lower their index the most over the course of the year but I think more importantly we've seen Todd Blackledge former Penn State quarterback he does like the local eats oh that's a great every city he gets into so we could do you know you know, Blum's. I'll, ta- I'll take suggestions. There yes. you go. Yeah. I think that's so, what we need to do. Give me some suggestions. I'll go rate them. Yeah, that's a yeah. good call, dude. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. I mean, it's not like you don't like to eat. So, I mean, I've eaten with obviously. you before. So, yeah, that's why I, <laughs> well, I, do, it's this. Not I do this. I do this YouTube podcast on the with the widescreen on purpose. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, so so I think that's a great idea, and it doesn't always. I, let's let's make it more broad than that because I know we'll get suggestions from uh, our listeners. But I think it doesn't always have to be an eating place. But you know, maybe the best coffee shop or the best uh you know the best hole in the wall or somebody's like hey you know we'll do an autograph signing for an hour at our little you know whatever shop or something like that so any listener you know will accommodate i'm throwing you out there like hey you'll accommodate i know you got to sleep in you got to get your beauty sleep and do your you know your (laughs) prep and all that but uh but i think it'd be great like to these cities like you know and then there's always the greatest argument in the on the history of the world is wherever you are has the best barbecue in the world, right? So you're in St. Louis. <laughs> you can't we got say the that best when you're barbecue. in Texas, though. You're in Kansas City. You're in Texas. It's like, wait a second. All right, so oh, maybe you do a little barbecue taste. But I think that's a great idea, man. No, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, again, you can get at Tuttle, at Real David Tuttle on both Instagram and on Twitter. And then you can get myself at Blummer27 on Instagram and on a, on in Twitter. So feel free to reach out to us. And of course, BleacherBlums.com. Uh, we've got all kinds of ways to get in, in touch with us. There's a mailbag that you can go on there and, uh, you know, write it right to your heart's content. You can go on to the Apple podcast platform, rate us and review us and write a review in there. We read one every once in a while. Uh, maybe we'll read more if more begin, you know, start coming in. And of course, we've got swag on that website, bleacherblums.com, brought to you by our own Mark Ramos, you know, from Ram Shirts. Obviously, on the YouTube channel, you can check out Tuttle with his Bleacher Blums hat. But a lot of good stuff going on. There's a lot of changes going on in baseball. I know that uh, they have solidified some rules uh, moving forward, especially in that first month, because of the shortened spring training, similar to 2020. We talk about this all the time. And even on the another damn prediction we did, we talked about this, what, three podcasts ago? Man, they should expand the roster and accommodate for all these injuries. Guess what? They negotiated to have a 28-man roster for the first month of the season. It will uh, it will terminate on May 1st. So on May 2nd, you have to go back to the 26-man roster. So they will expand the roster due to the recommendation of myself and David Tuttle. Uh, <laughs> there was something – oh, the, there will be unlimited options, I think, during the first part. And uh, there's going to be a 15-day uh, injured list for pitchers. 
10-day injured list for position players. That's obvious because of the manipulation with the 10 days and uh, how they're able to rotate guys through the uh, through the bullpens and through the starting rotations. Um, thoughts on those first two? I mean, we're right again. I mean, like if you're you listening to this again, podcast, you know, come on. hate to – my arm hurts yeah. to pat myself on the back. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, uh, I think it's a wise decision. I joked last time saying that, uh, you know, that maybe Tuttle would have got a cup of coffee in the big leagues had, had been a 26 to 28-man roster. But I think – not just because of COVID and not just because of uh, a shortened spring training, but I do think um, the competitive balance and some flexibility for these series. I mean, it's a little you know more strategery, as George Bush would say. I really like the idea of having guys being able to be yeah, brought up and brought yeah. down. Yeah, I mean, you 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 made your living as a utility guy coming off the bench and playing and doing this and having a few more of those guys makes it a deeper roster, but it also makes this, um, like I said, the strategy kind of. You know, you ha- you have to know. I mean, I I joke because Buck Showalter was in spring training with us, and he's known as a guy who goes through his. But you know, I mean, these guys are going to have to think a little bit more about this. You know, if I'm bringing in this guy, what are they going to yeah. do off the bench? And I like that as a fan. I like that. I mean, you know, it's not outrageous. It's not like a forty man roster, and they're all in the dugout. Exactly. Um. So I think twenty six to twenty eight is great. And we said this before. I think it's gonna. It's less pressure on the twenty five guys. Um, and it's probably, you know, going to save some arms and hopefully keep some injuries. And, you know, we didn't talk about this before, but one of the notes I wrote down is injuries and, and, you know, mm-hmm. this is kind of a left turn, but I just saw they showed Jacob deGrom and Scherzer go complete game. And, you know, they went four and five innings respectively, and they're like getting ready for the season. And deGrom shows up again with shoulder tightness and MRI. And I'm like, man, you know, you, these guys, there are just certain guys out there, and you don't want to be tagged with the stigma. But you know, yeah, I know he throws ninety nine to hundred, and he's one of the best pitchers in the game. But I, you know, we keep talking about this hopefulness and optimism. But mm-hmm. to wake up and see that yesterday and and today is you know pretty disappointing, to be honest with you. No, this will actually lead into and help me, you know, not break news, but give an update on Justin Verlander because he was a guy that fell victim to that shortened twenty twenty season, made an opening day start. Ended up hurting his ulnar collateral nerve, ends up getting Tommy John, and here we have a chance to see him in another shortened spring try and work back into that rotation. But to your point, Tuttle, I think that's what everybody feared in 2020 because and we've I think the Angels, Angels might be a team going with the six-man rotation. I've heard other teams talking about a six-man rotation because you're missing two weeks of spring training. So that's, you know, one or two starts for your starter where you're trying to push them to that five, six innings threshold before you start the season so that they can just, you know, get their legs under them, go through that dead arm phase. And hopefully that's what it is for Jacob deGrom. I'm hoping it's just a a stiffness and a tightness and, you know, that dead arm where you're like, oh, I need to battle through this. And then you can go ahead. Your arm kind of bounces back. You can probably speak to dead arm a little bit better than I can. I just played in pain the entire time. But there's a dirt, there's a certain part where your, your body just breaks down and then it comes back. It's really interesting because think when the season starts, the the idea of spring training for the first two or three starts for a starter is going to be that five inning mentality. It's it's going to be that 75 pitch threshold, wouldn't you think? Absolutely. And and the challenge I have here, and this is where those guys, when you talk about being injury prone, we've talked about this before. The Somebody like DeGrom is on his OP, man. He's on his own program. Like, this guy is not like, he's. it's not like he took the offseason off and he's like, you know, he knows that yeah. he's been injury prone. He knows that he's going to be 
the one or two, you know, one and one A. They're like the Cole and the Verlander of a couple of years ago with the Astros. I mean, th- they have a formidable um, rotation. And so I don't think any of this stuff is kind of a shock. And, you know, Verlander could speak to it probably better than I can, but I don't think DeGrom thought four innings or, you know, 75, 80 pitches would be too much at this point mm-hmm. because of COVID shortened seasons and he's come off some injuries. He's probably ready to go in terms of his, you know, he does his uh, job exercises and he keeps his arms strong and he probably stays in shape most of the year. You got to think 11, 12 months out of the year, he's ready to go. Maybe not full, you know, seven, eight innings. So that's the part that concerns me here is that, like you said, Verlander's coming back from an injury and they're going to ease him into it and a shortened spring training will affect him. But, you know, mentally and physically, he's he knows what his timetable is. He knows what he can handle. And he'll articulate that to the pitching coach and the, and the powers that be. And I think DeGrom must have done the same and must be doing the same. And so that's the only thing that I would you know, kind of disagree with or tweak there is that I'm just, I'm just nervous because you got to think he was ready. Otherwise he wouldn't have, you know, wouldn't have thrown those innings. So that's, that's a little scary. I agree. And hopefully it's just something he has to work through. And you talked about Justin Verlander knowing, and these guys, especially these aces, the Scherzers, the DeGroms, uh, Justin Verlander is definitely one of those guys. And to your point, we heard in the last week through news reports, through interviews with Dusty Baker, that Justin Verlander will not be the opening day starter in Anaheim for the Houston Astros. I believe it's going to be Fromber Valdez. I don't know if that's breaking news, but if it is to some of you out there, breaking news, <laughs> Justin Verlander, the ace of the Astros staff, will not be the opening day starter. It'll be Fromber Valdez. But I think that's to the point that Tuttle is talking about, is that these guys understand and they know themselves well enough. And hopefully this is just, you know, that MRI for DeGrom might have been like, he might have said, whew, okay, just st- uh, t- stiffness, tightness. I can get through that and I'll be fine. There's ways to treat that. There's no you know, physical damage to the, to the joint and he'll be fine. But Justin Verlander, I think, has kind of taken the approach with the uh, – you, know, you want to say it's with the Astros, but I'm sure it's probably led by JV's idea of how he feels yeah. in saying, I would love to be the opening day starter, but considering where I'm at and the, and the routine I'm on and the pace at which I'm ramping things up – I feel incredibly comfortable because he would have to alter his spring training to set the time for him to be the opening day starter. And I think he wants to stay on his program. You know, as well as I do, pitchers are are victims of routine. Position players are the same way, victims of routine. And as soon as that routine gets altered, things kind of go out of whack and, and it just doesn't work out the right way. So I think it's kind of a combination of JV understanding a situation, maybe taking a little slice of humble pie because it would have been his... 13th opening day, and he would have been the eighth starter in the history of the game to have 13 opening day starts. So backing off on that was a big league decision. And obviously you need Justin Verlander for the long run, not the not the early run. Yeah. And I don't think, you know, being an opening day starter, you know, like you said, the eighth guy to do 13 times. I mean, that's I don't know if that's a badge of honor that sits right. They, they always right. ask you where you prioritize. I think World Series champion would probably sit above even like a Cy Young or opening <laughs> day starter for 13 years or, or you know 13 times. So I I, I think you're right. I, you know I, when you started talking about Verlander and his timetable, it made me think of uh, Alex Guerrero and Tom Brady. Like 
you know, these guys at that level, they have their OP, man. They got their own program. I said that mm -hmm. already, but, you know, I think that's what's most important. And if they know how to get themselves ready, again, he already started on opening day 12 times in a row. He knows what he needs to do and he knew, knows how to stay healthy, hopefully. Um, and, you know, pain and soreness, as we know, is different than, you know, injury and surgery and all those kind of things. You're right. So we are going to take a little bit of a break, but before we go to that break, I want to tease you a little bit because I read an article today that there's something going on with the official replay review that you want to stay tuned for. And obviously we're going to get to this Brian Cashman bullshit. Can't wait to hear what Tuttle has to say about this. Here's a word from our sponsor. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. All right, thanks for hanging through that. And we're I've got I've got an update. This one, this one actually makes me very happy. And I think it should make a lot of fans who actually sit in a stadium and watch Major League Baseball. And the reason I say that is because when you go to a Major League Baseball game in the last, what, four or five years since replay review has been instituted in Major League Baseball, you have a chance as a fan to really kind of interact, I think, because once the play's uh, called by the umpire, the opposing manager has, what, 20, 30 seconds to, to initiate the process of a replay review. And once that replay review is initiated, the, the umpires go over to the headsets. You see them at, at various ballparks. They put on the tra air traffic controller headsets. They get in communication with everybody in New York who's in the replay room. And fans get to watch on the, on the big board. If you're in Houston, it's called El Grande. And you, and you watch the replay and you have a chance to make your own call, whether you cheer for it or whether you boo it or ooh and ah it, you know, you have a chance to have some interaction. The problem is if you're sitting in that stadium, all you see after the headset's taken off from the umpire is safe or out or run score. You know, you, you have to have a pretty good idea of what's going on in the game to understand the, the physical signal that the umpire is showing you. That's going to change in 2022. Umpires are now going to be mic'd up, they're going to make the replay review, and they're going to take some time to explain why they made the call that they did to the fans in the stadium. I, ha I, am, a I am elated for this because usually it's up to people who are listening on radio, watching on TV, it's up to the broadcaster to get that information to people who are either listening or watching. If you're in the stadium, you're going, well, we called him safe. I have no idea what he saw. And you have to move on. you got to guess and you got to suck it up. So now you actually have to put the umpires on the spot and have them make the call. I like it. Tuttle, what say you? 
Yeah, I, I do like it. You know, the NFL does it, right? They're like, exactly. oh, yeah, you know, he, you know, we we saw that the runner didn't make the line again. His knee was down. You're like, oh, okay. I mean, you can disagree with it still, which, you know, you're going to get Until plenty of Des fans. Until Bryant tries to make a catch, yeah. There you go. That's right. <laughs> you get plenty of fans, short for fanatic, to disagree with it anyway. But I think it, I think the first thing I thought of when you said that, because I read that this morning too, is uh, good thing Joe West retired this year because it'd be so funny. To, <laughs> I'm glad I got you to laugh. I didn't even Could think about that, Joe, dude. Can you imagine Joe Crew West Chief Joe West explaining in front of us? You're like, all right. You sound like, like Charlie Brown's parents. Wah, 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 Maybe, wah, wah. and people don't realize this about the umpires, but they've always been an island. But man. You know, a lot of people think chewing tobacco and swearing is part of uh, baseball, and it is in the clubhouse. But umpires <clears throat> are no uh, are no saints when it comes to that. So, Can you imagine Joe I West just, on a hot mic if he left that thing open. Oh, oh man! Gosh. I mean, so so there you go. So I think it's going to be some Great entertainment call. value, hopefully. But Joe West is out of there. But you know, having those guys and the crew chiefs, you know, maybe Angel Hernandez is still around. I think he's probably a crew yeah, chief. He is. You're gonna get some. You're gonna get some him with his high hat to explain a few things will be interesting. So I, I think, I think the idea is. How do you is, really feel about umpires, Tuttle? Hey, come Jeez, on. Have, well, I, have I, just, I never asked you this on this podcast? Oh, you know, I got, I got my guys I like. I like, there's certain guys I like. I'll name guys I like. Chris Guccione, I like him. Oh, there Gucci's you. great, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, so they're just like in any not walk angel. of life, right? You like half the people and maybe not half the people. It's like a politician. Um, but uh, but I think the explanation will help, and like I said, I don't think it'll necessarily change the reaction of the fans because they're going to base it on. <laughs> it might exaggerate. Gonna, I think it's going to be outcome based, but you know, and they say you know, <laughs> know that this guy you know did this or that. I think it certainly will make it easier. And as you said, at home with TK and you and Julia, or you know, you know, Ky- uh, Kuiper and Kruko. They're talking you through it as you go, but sitting yeah. in the stands, you know, having a beer and some peanuts and you look up at, you know, El Grande and you're like, right? what's going on? I don't know. The guy just came out and went like this, you know, and you're like, okay, safe. Like it doesn't really make any sense. And so I think the explanation will certainly be valuable. Hold on a sec. No, I'm good. Thanks. Man, don't need room service today, by the way. You can go ahead and oh, keep nice. that in the podcast. Joy of room podcasting service. from a hotel room. Need, need fluff pillow? I was just going to say, need pillow fluff? <laughs> Tommy needs sleepy. Yeah, hold on. Give me about, no, just kidding. Um, so so the umpire is going to be mic'd up. I thoroughly enjoy that. I think that's a great thing. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but you know what's not fun? Mm, listen, blaming listen to other bur- people for things. <laughs> go, go ahead and expound on that. I think that's a, yeah. what, why would you yeah. say something like that, Tuttle? We talk about yeah. accountability on this podcast all the that's time. Right. Yeah. Why don't you go into that? Because I I read this article that you're going to refer to, and I literally wrote down two pages of notes because I was so fired up. Not just just because I'm I'm a part of the team that this guy's referring to, just overall, just as a reaction to what he said. I can't believe this came out. Go for it. All right. Let me tee it up because you have two pages of notes. I do not. I did read the article. So yesterday, I uh, forwarded, maybe the day before, I forwarded uh, my my co-host here, Mr. Blum, an article in The Athletic where Brian Cashman came out saying that, um, you know, that part of the reason or the entire reason that the Yankees have had a drought, a World Series drought since 2009 is not because of scouting or drafting or the teams that he's put together, but because of the cheating scandal of the Astros and that the, 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 
the lengths with which the Astros went to cheat affected all of the teams because his team, of course, Red Sox and Yankees were not involved in any of this. Oh, that no. letter is going to come out soon. That's going to be interesting. But Ooh. but the two things that I dislike most in the world, which, which is weird, and I think people could probably pick this up after 165 podcasts, are looking backwards. I hate to look back and make a new judgment, meaning like, you know, in 2000, this was the decision I made to retire from baseball or whatever. You know, I was done with it. I was 30. I was like, I'm done with this. And then to go back in 2010, be like, oh, I should have stuck with it. I could have blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, it's kind of too late. And so looking back, you make the decision at the moment with all the information you have. And it's really hard for me. This is personal, obviously, right? You said we're opinionators, not no, that's um, why I have you on this podcast. I want to know what's going on in your you school. Go. Let's go. There you go. Right in there. Um, so I don't like to look back a lot. That's not my forte. And I do that in personal relationships, friend relationships, you know, all of these things. You know, my wife's like, man, how about if we, you know, I'm like, eh. that was a long time ago. We made a different decision. We were probably different people at the time. And then the second thing, and this is actually probably more important than the first, and my dad and I used to talk about this before he passed away, is personal accountability. You know, yes. I can blame you for this and I can blame you and my kids didn't do this and that. But what what was my part in that? And I, I'm going to throw my grandmother under the bus. God rest her soul. My grandmother oh, was a fantastic interior decorator and your wife can relate to this. But she had an issue um, with billing and charging her clients. And there was always some sort of financial like... But the only common denominator with these 10 clients <laughs> was my grandmother, right? It's kind of like, all right, is it the 10 clients problem always? Every single time it's their problem with all these different personalities and, and you know, kind of mechanisms involved? Or is it just, you know, there's one variable here. So, again, that's a roundabout way to say the personal accountability is really important to me. And to read an article like that where, you know, somebody at, at, of that stature that has a high profile, I mean... How different would it be if somebody said, hey, you know, Brian, you guys haven't been to the World Series since 2009. Are there some factors that you can pinpoint or attribute to that? And he said, well, you know, I think that, you know, the drafting, you know, we've drafted some players we've missed on, maybe some free agency things. You know, I think the cheating scandal with the Astros, I really believe that played a part in as well because of X, Y, Z. And then I I just haven't done a good enough job. I just need to do a better job because the results are what belie, you know, everything else. And you know, there there's the article. Then it's a no it's a no-brainer. So, I know this is all hindsight and this is how I think I would have handled it. You have two pages of notes. Brian Cashman chose not to do that. He chose to say that the entire reason, that's the way I interpreted what he said, is that there was one was team out there, yeah, there was one team out there cheating. And that 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 derailed the kind of this dynasty that would have been the Yankees had you know had these guys not used some video uh, <laughs> some video help during that season. So I know you have two pages of notes. I'm going to let you riff on it, but uh, I was just un I was upset by lack of personal accountability and then kind of rearranging facts from many years ago. That's probably a better point, but I'm with Tuttle as far as the accountability. I'm always telling my daughters too, they're like, the teacher did this, the teacher didn't teach this. Mm. I'm like, who took the test? Who had the opportunity to the, with the resources to figure it out what the teacher was saying? Why didn't you go talk to the teacher? Take it upon yourself to be accountable, be responsible for your actions. And I think that's kind of where Tuttle and I have been since the day we started this podcast is that's to be right. accountable for actions and have an opinion and be honest about it and have some fun with it. But 
What came out in that article was awful. So it was The Athletic written by Andy McCullough, if you want to find it on The Athletic. And, you know, somebody was asked, somebody was asking him about, you know, his his lack of winning that 28th championship. Now, keep in mind the 28th championship for an organization. He already has four under his belt uh, Brian, during Brian Cashman's stint. So he said he took offense to that. Here's the direct quote. I want to make sure we get this right. The only thing, this is Brian Cashman. The only thing, the only thing, dear God. Underline. The only, yeah, Bold. only thing that stopped. <laughs> exactly. How can you start right. the sentence with the only? The only thing that stopped us was something that was so illegal and horrific. And so I got offended when I start, or sort of, I get offended when I start hearing we haven't won a, haven't been to the World Series since 09, because I'm like, well, I think we actually did it the right, did it the right way. I mean, this guy, there's so many holes in this freaking quote. Uh, pulled it down, brought it back up, drafted well, traded well. Tuttle mentioned this, developed well, signed well. The only thing that derailed us, only thing that derailed us was a cheating circumstance that threw us off. Now, if Cashman would have said this about any other team he played in the playoffs, I would have been equally as upset and blown holes in this theory. The three games that the Yankees played against the Astros in 2017 in the building of the Astros, guess how many runs they scored? The Yankees? Three. Yeah, the Yankees scored three runs in the in the four games they lost. One, Yeah, one per game. So... Number one, score more runs. Shut up or score more runs. That that team you developed, drafted, traded, and did so well and thought so highly of scored three runs in four road games. In their stadium, where they have access to many different things, and we've also heard Joe Girardi accidentally mention what they might be doing, they scored 17 runs in three games. So in four games in Houston, they scored three runs. Three games in New York's Yankee Stadium, 17 runs. I'm just going to leave that there. They had their opportunities. They only had to do was win one of those four games and they're in the World Series. Now, let's go back. So what, what happened in the other 11 years that you had the opportunity to get into the World Series? I don't know. man. That's, that seems like plenty of time not to play against cheaters. Not to mention the fact that, that the Astros got busted for cheating because it all started with the Yankees and the Red Sox. And Tuttle mentioned it real subtly. If you didn't catch it, he said, hey, what about that open letter they're about to open up? So if that letter opens up and it and shows the Yankees cheated, I mean, Brian Cashman has put himself in a really tough spot in this corner. Now let's go back in history to that 2009 World Series team. Tuttle hates it. I enjoy it because it... <laughs> I love looking yeah, back. Hold on. Personally. Mm, okay. Yeah, and yeah, the regretting and all <laughs> oh, that. Oh, I don't mind the history of the game. I just don't like rearranging facts. Let's go back making, yeah, to go. 2009. He hates cheaters, <laughs> right? Hates, hates cheating. Cheating's awful. Guess who was on that team in 2009 for the New York Yankees that won the World Series? It's ridiculous. Some guy named Alex Rodriguez. Guess what happened? Popped. PEDs. 162-game mm. uh, suspension. Mm. Uh, Robinson Cano. Interesting. He got popped. Oh. He was, he well, was he wasn't cheating guy. back then. No way. His well, ethics and his yeah. moral yeah. fiber was yeah, really right? strong. Yeah. Come on. He didn't. Um, Andy Pettit was rumored Ooh. to have done. Well, he actually admitted it. He admitted. That's not a rumor. Yep. Um, he didn't cheat of, though. He did it 
under the guise of rehab and, you know, he's yeah. regretful and that's not true. Yep. He actually handled it and approached it, talked about it. I give him that credit, yeah. but I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, Francisco Cervelli was on that team. Ooh. There's another guy that got a 50-game suspension. Yeah. Um, uh, t- this one's going to probably tick Tuttle off, but uh, Melky Cabrera was on that team. Mm. Yeah, he crapped Why on the Giants that one year. The Giants? Oh, yeah. Well, he crapped on the Giants that one year when he yeah. got he was just blatantly doing testosterone. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's right. He signed a deal with them, like a two-year deal, and then got popped for the second time. Right? <laughs> exactly. Wasn't it a second? So he got a hundred-game suspension. Like, all right, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for the money. So, okay. So, I mean, that's only four of twenty-five, maybe thirty-five guys that you had on the roster throughout the course of the season. That's that's that. Um, let me see. Um. You do have some notes. Uh, yeah, that, that's really what I got for. And uh, I want to ask you uh, a question. Is there is it even physically possible for anybody in baseball to feel sorry for the Yankees? No. <laughs> that's, a, that's one word answer, no. You know, I wanted to say a couple of things too, and I've heard this otherwise. I mean, look, I just – the personal accountability. Let's go. Let's own up to it. We all know what happened. You know, yes, there was some stuff going on, but, you know – those who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. And then the other Be piece careful. of that was, wh- how many World Series did we say? Twenty eight World Championships, and I think the the joke twenty seven, twenty seven, twenty seven. Yeah, the article that always talks about yeah, twenty one of those championships were before like nineteen fifty when you know there was <laughs> no parody great, yeah. in the game. I like this total. Everybody wanted to leave in live in New York, and you know they were the mm-hmm. team. And by the way, they had Babe Ruth and Joe DiMaggio and Roger Maris, and I mean. Yeah, you can go on and on and on. So, I mean, this lore is great, but, you know, it's kind of like the Patriots versus the old Green Bay Packers who won the first two Super Bowls, you know, Vince Lombardi. I mean, there are times and places for these eras, but I do think um, the Yankees get held to this higher standard. But let's be realistic. I mean, they won 21 world championships, I think, before like 1950 or something like that, which is, you know some crazy number, maybe 1960. And they've had some good teams, but, uh, you know, this isn't necessarily the dynasty that it always was. It's just a, it's a hotbed for controversy and certainly uh, for the media. Yeah. And that's all I'm going to spend time on that. I just think it was ridiculous. If you really want to go down a wormhole, feel free to get on, uh, on Twitter because this really (laughs) did not go well for Brian Cashman. I you you knew he was going to take heat on this podcast just from a a person standpoint and then being an opponent of the Astros standpoint. And he has absolutely gotten obliterated to the point where I know that they're, I follow, you know, you follow certain beat writers and, and, uh, uh, man, and media types that cover baseball. And I was actually really surprised to see how many in that New York media era, you know, area were actually like, really, we need to bring this up again. Are you kidding me? So they kind of took the idea of the accountability and were like, dude, you can't do this, man. This is terrible. I mean, you know, I even stole the idea, you know, of those 11 other world, you know, world series opportunities from one of those New York beat writers. It was like, okay, great. 17 didn't go your way. What about the 11 other years? You can't, you know, there's a lot more time in from 2009 to 2022 that you can't blame the cheating on. So the fact that you took that and ran with it and made that the specific thing really kind of blew me away. But if you want some fun and you want some more fodder about uh, Cashman, you know, getting berated a little bit, he he didn't. This did not go as the way I think he anticipated. <laughs> you know, I wonder if sometimes. I mean, I've I've been known to do this around the house too. But you know, uh, open mouth, insert foot. It's kind of like I wonder if he really thought about 
I mean, you got to think that he knew what he was saying by saying the cheating ridiculousness of cheating or whatever he said, yeah. uh, the ridiculous cheating scandal or the, you know, um, but I, I just, I'm kind of at a loss for words as well. And I think it's interesting because you know that the Dodgers, the Rays, the Astros fans were going to jump down his throat probably, you know, and like you said, <laughs> the wormhole that is Twitter doesn't have to necessarily go around something specific, but I think we just <laughs> talked about the the toughness of the New York media on the Mets and the Yankees. Ooh. And it's really interesting that the Yankees media, or at least a New York uh, writer is the one that was like, yeah, what about the other nine years, 10 years, 11 years? Like what, <laughs> you know, cause, cause it is, it, it, it becomes an accountability thing. And you touched on this and I'll finish up with this is that Alex Rodriguez is probably one of the most hated guys, mainly because nobody likes him outside of the game, but guys in the clubhouse didn't like him either for the most part. Um, and I think that that's what you're seeing. Like Andy Pettit was on the, you know, the Mitchell report and he came out and said he did it and he apologized and, you know, he just kind of went away. Like, you know, he's going to be on accountability. Exactly. And I think guys liked him in the clubhouse and umpires probably liked him and he was a respectable guy. Yeah. I I played against him. I mean, you know, just a kind of a country Texas guy and, uh, and a really respected opponent and good sportsmanship and learned how to pitch with what he had. And again, I'm giving this guy kudos and he admitted he cheated. So again, it's the personal accountability part. I think in that instance with A-Rod and Andy Pettit, and maybe this Cashman article that stands out to me more than the actual, you know, the actual, uh, act of cheating. So, um, I think, uh, I think, we probably haven't heard the last of this accountability and I can't wait for three months into the season when the Yankees are 500 and the Blue Jays and the Red Sox sit atop them in the, (laughs) you know, and now like, well, all right, what do you got to say now, Brian? Is it because the Astros are cheating that you guys are in third place? And, you know, at the all-star break, I, you know, it'll be really interesting to see some of the fallout from what he said and, um, you know, remains to be seen. Yeah. Who are you going to blame next? Oh, what? Yeah, that's, that's right. Hey, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say got one thing. We'll we'll another left turn here in the podcast. We're running out of time, but uh yeah. Um I got to I was a little bit late as usual. It's become my standard to be about 5 minutes late. And aside from eating a peanut butter protein bar on the at the beginning of the podcast, which I'm banned I'm banned from doing from now on is uh I got to drive my daughters to school. So we've talked about all your kids driving now, but um my daughters my wife had a, a work meeting and I'm like, all right, well, I'll just, I'll take the kids to school. I'll be a little bit late for the podcast. We'll make Ramos and Blummer just sit around and twiddle their thumbs. And, uh, and I'm driving them and I'm like, you know what? This is the old Buttle Tuttle say where it was like the people driving in the morning, like the, the combat <laughs> driving. I had to bite my tongue like three times. I only drove them like five minutes up the street. So just going to say that I, you would be really proud of me. I don't really have a blast, but it's like, uh, Man, people are just, you know, hey, you're my neighbor, aren't you? Like, hey, we're all going to the same school, aren't we? Like, hey, hello, good morning. It's, a, it's amazing how often you get tested. Oh, I'm getting tailgated up there. And then I got some guy <laughs> blocking traffic. And then like somebody does the old, I, the only thing I always think of, and hopefully we can maybe insert some sound here, is when Michael Keaton stays home and Mr. Mom. And he oh. becomes, but he becomes the guy, right? He becomes the guy, the traffic cone guy, and he knows school. But the first day he's dropping off the kids and he's going the wrong way into the, and they're like, no, go around. And he's like, oh my God, I've never done, like, you're just, that's what it is every day. And you're like, all right. Just fall in line, people. I mean, this we're all in this together. 
Jeff Blum has yep. said this on the podcast many times. There's a lot of people on the right extreme and there's a lot of people on the left extreme. Let's just lock arms and try and walk this walk this road together because we're all trying to do the same thing, man. We are. We're just trying to get through it. That's why this podcast is so uh, you know cathartic for us is we get to voice voice it out, talk it out, and just have a little therapy therapy session between Tuttle and I. Uh, you know, and obviously we want to give a voice to our fans who are listening too. And I know that uh, we're going to bring in our producer Mark Ramos as we have a a review, I believe, from uh, from the Apple Podcast app, right? Yes, it's the uh, Apple Podcast review. From Sean, it says, to hear from two former players, it's awesome to hear about the inner workings of MLB and their time spent as players and now commentator and fan. Keep up the great work, guys. Can't wait to hear you back on the road, Blummer. Hey, and the road trip is happening because that is right where this podcast is coming. It's from West Palm Beach. I would imagine our next couple of podcasts, I will be in Anaheim. We're going to Anaheim from West Palm to Arizona, to Seattle, and eventually having the Astros home opener on April 18th. So you get a couple of more road podcasts. Greatly appreciate you, Sean, getting on there, uh, rating, reviewing. Make sure that if you are listening to this for the first time, you get on there, subscribe, rate, review. There's a good chance it will bring you up during the course of the podcast. Uh, it is going to be a good time. And stay tuned next week because I, we are going to do our best to get our preseason p- predictions and ideas out there. I'll give you some updates on the Astros here in the final week of spring training. So on Thursday, opening day, we will have a podcast for you. Stay tuned to the bleachers. We only do this podcast because we uh, enjoy talking, but we also want to give thanks to a lot of those uh, first responders, the EMTs, the firefighters, the police uh, personnel that goes out there and, and protects us here at home. Obviously, the mil- military home and abroad, we greatly appreciate the efforts and the sacrifices that you make, essential workers, uh, nurses, doctors, teachers, everything you're doing to make this thing uh, make this thing roll along and give us the opportunity to talk about the great sport of baseball and have fun on this podcast. We greatly appreciate you. Tuttle, you can close us out, brother. Nice. Remember, if you're over the age of 45, please get screened for colorectal cancer. And rest in peace, Taylor Hawkins. Yep tough one at the end of every podcast we ask you to get after it and believe it believe it look at you i need it i need an earpiece nice work good good hand signals